Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, everybody. Today's episode brought to you by Noon Hydration. Those fizzy tabs that keep you going. No, really. You guys, I use the Noon Energy on an almost daily basis. Uh, they're Think of them like that horrible stuff in a can, except they taste great, they're healthy, they don't cause a crash, and they aren't proverbial nails in your coffin. I don't know if that does it any justice, but that's basically how I feel about them. It's it's awesome, it's healthy, and it's really good stuff for you. Check out the entire line of their hydration projects at noonlife.com. That is N-U-U-N, noonlife.com, or go to the link at packfiller.com. We are also sponsored by Honey Stinger. You see how I'm doing this? hydration and nutrition i got you covered man all i need now is a proper beer sponsor and we got it all set oh that'd be perfect beginning middle and after from great taste in gels to bars and beyond honey stinger brings the best nutri- uh, natural ingredients put together to fuel your efforts you know you've had the waffles right you know you have all their stuff is just as brilliant go to honeystinger.com and get some for your next or get some God, I'm doing this horrible read today from your next, uh, from your lo- area local bike shop. You go to the local bike shops anyway and uh, pick up Honey Stinger or even the Noon stuff. I've seen them everywhere. Heck, I got, I've, I've got Noon at my local grocery store. So there we go. Bill's paid. Let's get to the podcast. I'm rested because it's been a while. Hey, everybody, welcome to the podcast that has not shaved its legs yet. Ew. I know. Ew. Welcome to the Pack Phillip Podcast. I'm Pat Bolger in studio. How are you? You guys, I hope your spring is going well. Kind of like quick steps, spring is going well. Sorry, there's a roadie reference. If you wear sleeveless jerseys or cargo riding shorts, I might have lost you on that one. 
Speaking of which, have you guys been watching the classics? They have been brilliant this year, every single one of them. Except for that moment when poor Peter Sagan was caught by a black jacket in Flanders. It's been brilliant. I've been actually able to catch most of them. Big wins by big winners. It's awesome. Is it just me or does Philippe Gilbert have a contract in need of renewal or something? Because he always he's just he comes alive. The people at BMC must be rabid pissed off right now. They're like, God, we paid you all this money and you didn't do shit. Now you switch to quick step and you start kicking ass. Not fair. Speaking of pissed, can Universal or NBC Sports please release ownership of cycling broadcasting rights in the United States? Please. Apparently, you guys are just doing this to just tease American viewing audiences because you don't really give a shit about showing these races. They never show the classics. Their online service costs money. And the only race in real time is the tour. Correct me if I'm wrong. I've, I've complained on this show quite a few times about that broadcasting, about, you know, okay, they, they give you the tour, which I think is a pretty good broadcast of the tour. For all my friends overseas who are screaming at their iPods or their computers right now because their broadcast is better. Yes, you're right. Yours is better. Shut up. Ours, we get the best we can get, and it's not bad. And then that's more or less it. Classics, I've now become this online pirate and search through multiple sites, finally get through, but it's in another language or without commentary at all. I think I had to watch Perry Roubaix, at least for a while of Perry Roubaix, on a YouTube stream that had no commentary at all. And I love the commentary. And with my luck, the stream freezes with like 1K to go. You know, this they're just about to sprint in... And that's it. And then I finally, I have to go, I shut down, I re-log on, I do it, and all I'm seeing is, you know, basically podium kisses. <sighs> Enough already, NBC. Just let us watch Eurosport or Sky or anything. Quit being dicks, you guys. You're like that crazy boyfriend or girlfriend. If I can't have you, nobody can. Boil a rabbit in the kitchen. Glenn Close style. Give it up, you guys. U.S. Cycling needs an audience right now. Desperately right now. I've got enough depressing news in the world. Let me watch an effing bike race. Please. Oh, God. Speaking of bad news. I, I, there's really no transition into something like this. And I, I apologize. I usually try to keep my openings either angry or funny. I'm not very good at getting them both, but you guys probably all know this. Um, I'm a little late to the table on this. I, I knew about it the day it happened, um, but I uh, I haven't had a chance to sit down and record a show yet. And I'm, now that I've got the chance, Cycling lost a really rebellious voice recently. Uh, Steve Til Tilford was definitely what we would categorize as a lifelong cyclist. From his days in the 80s and 90s on teams like Levi's and Wheaties to his continuance as the world's master's champion in cyclocross and his always witty blog posts, Steve was never at the back. And he was never afraid to call out the bullshit. 
He was a master storyteller. And whether you agreed with him or not, he was a necessary voice in the sport. He didn't pick favorites, and he raced on all forms of two wheels. He was what I wish I could be in the sport. We lost him a couple weeks ago. I've heard people wish Steve uh, tailwinds as a final goodbye. I can't do that. Instead, I want to wish Steve Tilford beautiful mud, epic days, fierce elbow flying sprints, and crisp tan lines. Thanks for the stories, Steve, for the memories and the smiles. And I'm going to give a little, little, little quick silence here. Goodbye to Steve Tilford. Thanks for that, you guys. Oh, shake that off, right? Shake it off. Today's guest, Mara Abbott, has won a lot of bike races. A lot. But unfortunately, it was a recent fourth place that got her the most worldwide exposure. I had a chance to talk with Mara, get called out on some of my poor research. Here, I thought I did well, but she caught me on a couple. And I got to gain perspective into a strong competitive champion. It was a good talk with Mara Abbott. So I guess I'll give it to you. Mara Abbott on the Backfiller Podcast. All right, you guys, today's guest can easily be considered one of the most successful cyclists to hail from the U.S. Her uh, strength and solid career brought multiple victories, including the Giro Rosa in 2010 and 13, six victories at the Tour of the Gila. I hope I pronounced that right. I always screw it up. Two national championships in one of the most heroic efforts at an Olympic road race since its inception in 1896. Let's welcome to the show Mara Abbott. How are you, Mara? I'm doing all right. Good to be here. Good, thanks. Hey, you know, as as a lot of my listeners know on this show, I like to start with a little perspective. I kind of like I like the the background of how you came to this. And according to my research, it says that uh, your cycling career began in college as a method of staying fit for swimming. Is that is that the case? Um, sort of. It started in college. It wasn't really a method of staying fit for swimming. It was more a method of. Um, finding something to do with myself in the off season. It wasn't necessarily a physiological thing. Okay. Because I was going to say with, you know, other than triathletes, you you don't hear of that kind of a crossover thing. You know, I don't know if, are the sports fairly going to be overly compatible other than, you know, cardiovascular or something like that? No, not really at all, actually. <laughs> now you, you swam in college competitively, correct? Was that something that you, was that a scholarship opportunity that you play, that you participated with? Um, no, I was swimming Division three, so I wasn't. Okay. I wasn't good enough for the scholarship. So, <laughs> okay, humility is a strong point. I like it. What What were the events that you were uh, active in for swimming? Um, I swam distance freestyle, so I swam the mile. Oh wow! Okay, so I'm trying to fathom this uh, cycling. Now, is swimming a, a fall and winter activity for college participation? 
Well, real, if you're good at swimming, it's a year-round. If you want to yeah. be good at swimming, it's a year-round activity. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> I was not good at swimming. Um, so um, when the season ended, I swam year-round um, all the way through high school and middle school and everything. Um, and when I got to college, you get to the spring and there's not really a yeah. training opportunity. Like, you're not actually allowed to train with the team. Okay. Um so it was in the spring that I was sort of looking for something to do with myself. And was it somebody that got you inspired to start cycling, or was it something in the family history, I mean, or what brought you to it? Oh God, no! Um, my 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 dad didn't, my dad rides bikes, but he didn't start until after I did. Um, <laughs> but um, it was just the, it was the people on the cycling team. Um, I went to a really small school, um, and so they're just like, yeah, you know, and they encouraged me to come out and try it, and so sort of peer pressure. Okay. Now, Whitman, correct? Yes, sir. Okay, I'm in I'm in Spokane, Washington, so you're you're close by. Okay. So, I, you know, that's that, that's one of the other strong Whit- points Whitworth about it. Whitworth is easily confused. Yeah, yeah, you know, Walla Walla wine country, I I never mix that one up. Um, at what huh. at what point did did cycling become the primary area of focus where you went, "Oh man, I'm good at this. This is where I want to take my athletic career uh, it, honestly honestly it was sort of a progression i was from the start i mean i like i said like i was i was at a division three school so i'd been spending a lot of years banging my head against the wall with swimming <laughs> um and then within three months of starting cycling i won collegiate nationals. yeah um so Thank it was God. fairly evident um early on that i was much better suited to that um but I still really love swimming and I wanted to be a swimmer and I still really kept trying to be a swimmer, um, for a long time. And, um, so it was just, I mean, it was bit by bit. Um, by the time I got to my senior year, I'd signed with a professional team. Um, I wasn't able to get paid because of, um, collegiate eligibility. Okay. Um, but I'd signed with a professional team and, um, I ended up, I graduated a semester early. Um, and so it was sort of by halfway through, I did the first half of the season of my senior year swimming. And then sort of transitioned out of it after that. Wow. Now, to go in, cycling has a big learning curve. Let's be honest. Especially road cycling has a gigantic learning curve. Well, I could say all, all of them do. But road with tactics and, and, and all that side of, type of stuff and techniques, How what do you credit for picking it up so fast? I would say that I did not, in terms of tactics and techniques, I did not pick it up so fast. Well, then, um, but, um, I was strong and, um, I had opportunities and I had people who were willing to look past the fact that I had absolutely no skills or tactics because they saw that I had physical potential. Okay. Um, and they were willing to take a chance on the fact that they might be able to help eke out some results despite that. So tactics for that first collegiate nationals, what was it? Was it just gun goes off and you just full bore the entire race or something like that. I'm just, I'm impressed to be able to now go. Now you're from... asking about a race that happened like over a decade ago. Well, um, so <laughs> yeah, exactly no, I want details. what went down in that race, I probably don't have um, the details for you. Really? You don't memorize um, that stuff? But I, I mean, but at the end of it, it was, there was, it was like a little bit hilly. It was, it was in Kansas and it went around this lake. Okay. Um, and as you got towards the end, it got hilly, and I attacked, and I think I counterattacked a teammate, um, maybe. <laughs> um, and then, um, yeah, and I just went, and then there was no one else there, and I kept going, and 
um, around the race. Wow. Okay. It's, 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 it sounds too easy, but you know, for the rest of us mortals who are just struggling through this, but it, that's, that's pretty cool. So in your, your first year as a pro, you, uh, you won your first, uh, tour of the Gila, you won your first nationals. And mm-hmm. from what I've been looking at your Palmares, your career throughout there since, um, you stayed at a consistently high level all the way through 2016. Um, what was it about you that made this possible? First of all, the physical abilities, and but second of all, to be able to maintain that high mental effort the entire time of your career. Well, I'd say you missed a fairly big aberration in there. Um, okay, which is that I quit cycling for a year, and I quit in 2011, um, and I didn't race for a year, um, and then I ended up coming back in 2013. Um, so there was a large gap in there, which I didn't race. And the reason I didn't race was um, pretty much basically because I didn't have um, the emotional stamina um, for the original task I'd set out to. Um, So I would actually say that is unfortunately not an accurate assessment. Okay. Um, And yeah. And so like, I guess I would say I didn't, I didn't have it perfectly. And I definitely learned what I could do to make myself sustainable um, as I went along. Um, and in terms of physiology, I was really lucky in that my Dean Gullich was my coach who works for Carmichael Training System. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of coaches out there who get um, really get into trying to get gains out of their athletes. And he was always holding me back and being like, oh, you feel good? Okay, we're going to rest then. Wow. Um, and so I think that um, physiologically, um, having him was a really, really big lucky stroke for me. Um, and then emotionally, you're just holding it together the best you can, and you learn tactics over the years. What what prompted the hiatus? Um, I was struggling with an eating disorder at the time, okay. and honestly, I was just really unhappy, and I didn't want to be racing my bike. So. Really? And and obviously, going through that is something that's going to be taxing. Um, what was it that brought you back? Um, because I. Still felt like I had things to accomplish um, in cycling. And I really realized that as much as I wanted to blame all of my problems on cycling, um, they weren't actually cycling's fault. And so I was still going to have all the same emotional pitfalls and struggles whether or not I was bike racing. And um, I missed bike racing and felt like I had some things left to accomplish. Wow. Okay. what what were those things that you wanted to accomplish? What races have inspired you? Obviously, to win so many versions of the uh, Tour of the Gila is is pretty darn impressive. That's a brutal race. Um, were there any ones that really struck out that were that were you the ones that you really wanted to tackle? Um, well, there's the Giro, obviously. I mean, yeah. that's, I mean, if you look at women's cycling, there's really only one long tour with mountains, and there's Gila, but it's only a week long, and it's always had a really limited field. Um, and the Giro is the, the Giro is our only big mountains race. Like you look at the men and yeah. you know, they just finished Catalonia and like they've got a lot of those. And for the women, there's only one. So really I'd said it a lot. Like I raced for the Giro and I think that that was part of the reason it was hard to sustain the career um, any longer than I did was because you can't base your whole career off one race. There just wasn't a, enough for me. Um, but there was the Giro and then, um, right as I was coming back was when they were announcing the Olympics road race course yeah. for 2016. And so I knew that that was going to be a mountainous course. Um, and when I came back, um, I did it with the intent of just going through the 2016 Olympic cycle. Um, so 
that was very intentional. Um, and I, it, since since it comes up, I I do have to ask about that day in Rio. That effort was one of the, and I'm not kissing up. It was one of the bravest and greatest rides I've seen in a long time. Um, and and it and it did come up short in some ways. But but for you, is there something you can take away from that day? I know that the reaction you received. Um, not only just here in the states, but uh, across the you know the world was was pretty powerful. Um, well, let's see. Can you rephrase that question? I don't yeah, know just, exactly. Just kind of that. What what you took away from that day? What what was that? What was you know to go that hard and brutalize yourself and and to have that type of an emotional response you had? Um, you know, were you were you satisfied with 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 the day? Was it something? God, I wish it, you know. Do you, does it keep you up at night? Going, man, I only needed another you know fifty meters or whatever it was. Um. Well, no. So it it does it does keep you up at night, but in, not in that way. I mean, yeah. I think that the biggest success of that race for me was the fact that I had the best race probably of my career there. Um, and so there wasn't actually anything looking back that I wish I'd done in that race that I wish I had improved or done yeah. better okay. or executed more properly. That being said, could it keep you up at night being like, man, I wish I was just a little bit better. Yeah. And that's definitely not an easy thing, um, to have to process. But I think that that's what you sign up for when you're, um, an elite athlete is you're always on evaluation, um, whether it's by yourself or by other people. And you're always very aware of your limitations. And I think that's, I mean, that's just part of it. What was the reaction like for, for, you, know, for, for you for that day? I mean, were, were people, did, did it surprise you that it got so much, I guess, an emotional response from people all over the world? Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was very bittersweet in a way um, because that was really the first time in my career that anyone had paid attention um, to my career outside of, you know, my fabulous and wonderful friends and family and the diehard cycling fans, God bless them. But it was the first time anyone outside of that ever saw me race. And so when they say, or when you say, Oh, it was such a brave race. I'm like, man, like I've done lots of races that were equally as brave as that. Um, It's just that nobody sees them. Um, And so in some ways for everyone to finally take notice, it's amazing for that to happen on the last day of your career (laughs) is in some ways a little bit of a challenge (laughs) because it's like everyone finally got it. And then, Oh, you know, but I'm done. Yeah. (laughs) And so, um, it was really amazing to finally, um, feel like I was doing something significant. Um, but at the same time, um, it was bittersweet to have that come, right at the end yeah thanks thanks for everything you guys where the hell were you in 2007 or something like that <laughs> well that, those are your words not mine no no yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I'm, we're not quoting you i promise but um so um retirement came after the games and you said that was a planned move yes it was okay um so and and i also read somewhere that it says it was a it was uh, i guess we could put retirement in in quotation marks are you still competing are you still doing the the sport at a, even a local level no no it was a retirement it was a full-on retirement okay is what what keeps you busy these days um <laughs> 
trying to keep myself, trying to keep things together. It's not an easy <laughs> transition um, coming out of sport, especially not a sport that sets you up really well financially. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I work at, I work part-time at a local farm, which is amazing. Um, and that's really, um, that being able to have that community and um, be with those people has been absolutely a savior for me, both through my career and now. Um, and just sort of trying to piece things together. And I've never, like, I, because I went straight from college into cycling, um, I haven't had to figure out the real world yet. So, so like, when you have someone graduate from college and all of a sudden they have to figure out what it's like to be a real person yeah. and um, not default on their mortgage, um, that's <laughs> sort of what I'm learning now. So I just deferred it 10 years. <laughs> okay. Now, I, I do have to say this. This is a topic that comes up quite often on, on the show with some guests I have on. Um, with a resume like yours, were it by a male athlete, um, you'd be not only in the history books, but you'd have a bank account the size of a Rockefeller. Um, gender equality, exi inequality exists. Um, do you have any any thoughts on all that? You know, is it has it left a bitter taste for you, or or is there what's wrong with it? I'm I guess I'm trying to ask. Well, in terms of a bitter taste, not really, because I think that not like you go into cycling expecting it to be something different you know it's not like I went into cycling and I was like oh there's going to be gender equality like <laughs> I signed on and I signed a contract every single year knowing exactly what I was signing up for um but I mean if geez like honestly honestly if you look at life and you look at all of the different equities there are in the world I grew up in a place where I had an amazing family um, I got to go to college and I got to be a professional athlete yeah. and when, and no, like I never made any money, but it was always my decision to do that. And the fact that it was my decision, like I can't really feel put upon by the system. Like I, I subscribed. Okay. Um, and I've been really, really, really lucky as a person. Um, I'm like, and like, I feel like the only, um, Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. piece of bad luck and that would be being born a girl and I don't think we want to go into that as a piece of bad luck yeah, um yeah but in terms of um why it is that way I think a lot of it I mean with the exception of you know a couple of things like tennis women's sports in general don't pay as well they don't have the viewership and they don't have the history and a lot of it comes down to the economics and I think that you need someone who's willing to take a risk on the sport 
maybe a couple of someone's because right now I don't know, like there's not a lot of coverage of women's cycling. Like we saw that with the Olympics was the first time most people had seen me race. So if you're, if you're the one, if you started a company and you're trying to create success for your company and you don't want to gamble it on a sport that nobody watches, like that's okay. That's fair. Um, and so you really need those people who are willing to take a risk or take a loss in order to, because it's the chicken or the egg thing, like nobody watches it, but nobody's going to watch it unless people fund it. And so basically you have to find someone who's willing to take a hit for the sport who has a lot of money or something, or maybe there's a better solution than that. But I think that, um, you can't sit there and say, Oh, well, nobody gives it money and nobody pays attention. And, all of those things because they're also looking out for their best interest. And so it's about finding a way to make supporting it financially um, a good decision. Well, I don't, I don't know what it's like for you in, in Colorado, but around here where, where I am um, cycling, especially road cycling is, is taking a large hit. We're losing events um, due to, you know, low numbers and, and things like that. Um, and as you say, is it, it, you know, sure, it could be a marketing concept. It could be a way to present the sport to make it more attractive and more visible. Um, but is, is the cycling we know of suffering? I mean, I, I, I'm trying to, I guess I'm trying to look for an answer to a, an unanswerable question in terms of where the sport um, is headed. That I don't know. Yeah. Um, I left. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're not involved in any way, shape, or form. It's gone. You flipped the switch off. I'm done. <laughs> so you're, uh, let's, let's just a couple more about, uh, one more about your career. Your career spread over multiple teams. There were, uh, from what I'm looking at, probably around seven teams. Um, were there specific motivational reasons for those team switches, or was it just the money wasn't there, the, the, the structure wasn't there, or you wanted to go on to a bigger thing? Uh, well, as we covered, the money was never there, um, yeah. but, which is nice because then you're not making decisions based on money. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, one of the things that I always actually really liked about cycling was that um, you got a one-year contract. Some people get multi-year contracts. I never got a multi-year contract, but... Um, that means that every year you get the opportunity to say, okay, well, what are my goals for next year? And you look at your options and you say, what are the best ways for me to achieve my goals? And some years you have more options than others. And other years you look at your options and you look at your goals and you say, oh, there's really only one option. Um, But it's just year to year um, looking at where you are and looking at where the team's going and, um, seeing if it's a fit, whether that's emotionally or um, in terms of a race schedule. But again, in women's cycling, there aren't that many options, which simplifies things a little bit. And usually for me, it was sort of like once I looked at them, I said, well, these are the races I want to be able to do. Um, and this is the support I want to be able to have at them. Um, it didn't leave you with a lot of options. And I know, again, how lucky I was that um, I had options at all, because I know there are a lot of folks out there who are happy to get any contract. And so being able to have some decision in that matter um, was obviously really lucky and a blessing for me. Was there one in particular that was you saw as, a, as maybe the best fit out of all of them? Um, no, not necessarily. I mean, I think that something that's a little bit of a misconception with cycling is that um, it's not actually – you know, traveling around a camper van with your best friends, except when you're in collegiate, in which case it's exactly that. (laughs) Um, But 
And it's not that you don't have friends on your teams, but it's very much like your coworkers in any job, that there's going to be coworkers that you get along well with and coworkers that you don't get along as well with and people that you have good working professional relationships with, but you're not going to call them, um, tell them the gossip on Saturday night. And um, so it was, I always managed to sort of find a fit of um, where I needed to be and what I needed sort of evolved year from year to year. And so there was never this perfect dream team, but I, think that as much as we want that to be a reality, like it's work. And also there's probably like, you think you're going to get your perfect job and you think that you've signed your contract for your new job and it's going to be the greatest thing that happens. Yeah. And it is for a while. And then um, also it's a work, it's like work, it's a job. Yeah. So um, there were definitely better and worse parts of every team, um, but they all supported me and um, they all got me where I needed to be. You know, and that's that's a perspective that a lot of us who have not been in that type of a of a situation don't understand. We think, okay, you got a team. It's this, you know, it's it's you know having fun in hotel rooms and group training rides and and wonderful things like that. It's it's really okay. You've got the contract now. You've got to go out and do the work, and we'll meet you at the race, sort of a thing. Yeah. So yeah. it's. I mean, like it's yeah. It's 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 a job, and I think that you want it to be professional because. That's what you're devoting your whole life to, and you want to yeah. be taken professionally. So, speaking of professions, um, your writing career has has flourished quite a bit um, since the games. And I don't know if it was if you did a whole lot before. I did see uh, some some blog entries and things like that that you've been doing. What what prompted the the foray into journalism? Um, now, when you say my writing career has flourished, <laughs> well, I, I mean, believe I've published one thing. But I've been, yeah, okay. <laughs> Which was the piece in the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> but I've but I've seen some. Is there anything else you were going off? I'm on I'm that. looking off your website and I see other stuff there involved that you've done in in Colorado and things like that. And um, I've, well, that, so that was that was all prior to my retirement. Okay. Um, so the only thing I published since I retired was the piece in the Wall Street Journal. I'd love. Um, I'd love to get more into writing, but again, um, sort of starting from the ground up, you have to learn how to be a beginner at things again, because although I like writing and I had good, um, feedback for a lot of the stuff that I've written, it's completely new. It's sort of like starting out bike racing again. And so I have to be willing to be humble and start at the bottom there too, and figure out what it is I want to do, whether it's more personal stuff with relation to sport or whether, I want to be able to get into journalism um, in the larger picture or whether I'd rather write a book. So it's something that I'd love to take further, um, but it's not easy. And like cycling, it's sort of a, um, you gotta, you gotta look for the breaks too. It's not necessarily a clear cut path. And so um, it's sort of about looking for the right audience and finding the right opportunities and honing my own talents and being willing to be a beginner. Are there are there styles of writing that that you're more attracted to, or is it kind of staying focused around the cycling world? Um, well, if, if you look at my website, a lot of that stuff, most of it is nothing to do with cycling. Yeah, that's um, most what I'm saying. It, yeah, um, most of it's stuff that I've done um, for the local paper. Um, but I don't know. So that's sort of what I'm saying. Like, there's a lot of different options, but I don't know exactly how it all fits together yet. Okay, I think a you know personally, I think a something in nice book form of your career and perspective would be a really good read just just planting that well, seed there 
Yes, but unfortunately, <laughs> as I have learned since um, cycling, you got to be able to, if you're talking to publishers, you got to be able to bring on an audience larger than a cycling fan. Yeah. So that's something I'm going to have to build before anyone's handing me a book contract. It's very specific. That is true. You're talking to a guy who does a radio show on cycling. I mean, so unless, unless everyone who rides bikes wants to buy four copies or yeah. five copies. <laughs> there we go. It's a start. It's a start. So, Come up with the creative. You know, <laughs> But so, Something like that. Yeah, I also see work, um, uh, speaking engagement type of things. Is, uh, what, how's that, and what does that consist of? Um, so it's again, it's sort of about lucky breaks. It's something I love. It's pretty amazing, and this is something that sort of came after the Olympics to actually realize that you have, even though all you've been doing is sort of riding your bike in a vacuum for ten years, to realize that you've come out of that with lessons that are valuable to other people. It's actually um, really humbling and really cool to be able to share those experiences with people and actually and sort of startling to actually have them care and be able to relate to them um so i've gotten i got to um speak at the tedx boulder right after i got back from rio and then um i also got to go speak at the graduation of um the um asds um sports school in Lausanne um in february which was um a huge honor because it's all sports people and wow they really do care about what you have to say. Um, that's what they want their lives to be. So that was really, really special. Um, so again, that's something that I hadn't done before, um, but that I really enjoyed. But again, it's sort of, you've got to learn how to market yourself and you've got to learn how to figure out the system in the world that you absolutely never entered before. Yeah. So well, and starting I'm, from the bottom up there too. Yeah, I'm, I'm going down your list of topics of speaking engagements, risk, authenticity, and self-reliance, and resilience, um, types of things like that, um, which I personally have felt even it, the sport has to kind of be a part of. Are there characteristics that were already in you, or do you think cycling brought those out? Um. Well, I don't look at those as characteristics as much as I look on those as lessons learned, I guess. Okay. I wouldn't define okay. like risk as a characteristic necessarily. Well, the willingness um, to take risks. But I mean, like, I guess like that comes down to a question of like, in life, are you, you know, how much are you shaped by your experiences and how much are you shaped by your reactions to them? And I think for anyone in any circumstance, it's always going to be a combination of them. And I think that's sort of the point of all of those is that, even though cycling is what I've done for all of this, it's all the same story. Um, and in cycling, you're doing it on a bicycle. And like when you crash, you actually crash. Um, but all of those lessons, I think that they're really common to anyone's experience, regardless of whether you're in sports. So I think that's why it's compelling. Well, and I always say to people, you know, I never made a dollar as a professional cyclist, but I had been a cyclist for my entire life. And as you say, it shapes who you are, the experiences that you've been, you've, you've gone out there and done, you've, you've tried, you've failed, you've succeeded, and, and the amount of effort putting into it creates who you are. And even if, even if, you know, I, I try to coach kids and get them involved, because even if you never become the high end level of a cyclist and your dreams become true and you're wearing yellow in Paris, that's great. But if, if it, those things don't happen, it still shapes you into a better person. I know that might sound way too deep, but that's what I feel. Well, the goal is to shape yourself into a better person. Yeah. It doesn't always happen. <laughs> so, and you, so you mentioned in that, in that TEDx 
uh, talk that it, right out of the gates you said that um, you got into cycling for the competition, not necessarily for you. And I think you said something like the wind in your hair or those types of experiences. If if it wasn't cycling, what what would it have been for you? What do you mean? If if cycling never came into the picture, if the sport was never something that that attracted you at all, do you do you think there would have been something else that that you, Mara Abbott would have gone for and and been highly successful at? I have absolutely no idea. You don't think so? There's... I mean, like that's sort of that's well. I mean, that's sort of like I have, I I have absolutely no idea. Like, what would I have done if I hadn't chosen the career that I did? I I I don't know. I mean, I didn't expect to become. I didn't expect cycling to be it. That wasn't, it wasn't like I grew up anticipating I was going to turn into a cyclist. Um, Those were just the opportunities that I got. If I'd gotten different opportunities, I guess I would have ended up somewhere different, but I don't know if there's any way to anticipate like, you know, where I would have been if I hadn't gotten into cycling specifically somewhere different. What was was um, the career path in college? What was that one? What was the mate? What did you study? Uh, well, I studied economics, but I mean, I okay. went to a small liberal arts school. So I yeah. think that if you look at that statistically, um, not a lot of people end up um, where they started out in their major um, <laughs> in that. So I didn't, I mean, and as, and I, like I said, I went straight, I graduated a semester early from college. So I went straight into cycling. So I never went through that job search. I never figured out what I was going to do. It just evolved at, timing wise, it evolved that way that I never had to do that soul searching, no, which is why I get to do it now. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, no interest in, in working in the industry in any capacity? Um, no, not right now. I mean, really? I, I feel like I've spent, um, I spent a lot of my time, a lot of my life in cycling um, already, and I think that, um, you know, I was in cycling, like, I, like you said, because I loved it as an athlete and I loved competing. And... Um, that I'm done with that chapter. And in terms of, um, there's not really a role that I think I'm suited for, um, outside of that necessarily. Okay. If you, now this is, this is something I asked, I asked pretty much all the guests in some way, shape or form. Um, if, if you were to give some advice to some, the next generation of cyclists or something like that, not necessarily based upon, um, success or failure, but if, if there was any type of advice you were to offer somebody starting out in the sport now, what would that be? Um, I think the thing, it's a really hard question to answer. Um, I have, and I guess the thing is for me, I've, I've always looked at it in a very individualistic way. And so like, I have no idea how to give advice to people because they're not me. Um, but I guess that that's the whole point is you have to be doing it for you and you have to be doing it authentically. And so if what you're doing matters to you authentically and it aligns with you, and I think that that's something you can't define and you can only feel it. But if where you are aligns with who you are authentically and you're being a good person and you're sustainable and you're going forward, that's what matters the most. And if that leads you to cycling greatness, then that's spectacular. And if it doesn't, um, that wasn't your path. And so I think that there's a lot of minutia that you couldn't get into about like looking for sponsors or like making the right connections or whatever, but really big picture, make sure that it's you authentically and whatever role that plays in your life, that's your role and that's who you are. Okay. That's, that's, I, 
now I understand why people want you to speak for them and motivate them because that was a really cool way to answer a very <laughs> odd question. So, no, um, Mara, thanks for for coming on. And um, I got to tell you, it, and I th I also wish that some of these events and these races we could have seen your your riding a lot more often. I I agree with what you were saying earlier on that. You know, here at the Olympics, this huge, gigantic event was one of your last races, and and that's 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 a shame. But um, but but thank you for that day, and thank you for a great career. Yeah, hey, and some of it's still out there on YouTube, so you can go Google <laughs> right it up. On. Right on. Okay, hey, um, I guess that's it. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Have a great day. And so there you are, Mara Abbott. See, she caught me a couple times. You can only find so much information on these people. There's not enough out there. So I do what I can, right? So that wraps up another show. And you guys, in between the recording of this episode, the recording of my intro, and just this morning, I found out the news of another loss. Michele Scarponi, Astana rider, died in a uh, car versus bike accident this morning. Good God. Uh, that's what every rider fears, isn't it? Not coming back from a training ride. I don't have a whole lot of information on McKelly. Um, but uh sad to hear, sad to hear. Sorry, um sorry we're gonna we're gonna the Peloton's gonna be one less one less great rider. In fact, God, he just won a big stage what uh, yesterday or the day before. I can't recall what it was. Oh, boy. I'm going to try to bring you more positive stuff, I promise. Stay safe out there, you guys. Please. Please. If you want to uh, speak to us, speak to the podcast, talk to us about who you'd like to hear, what you'd like to hear, um, what you'd like to not hear, well, screw you. Turn it off if you don't like hearing it. Drop us a note, packfiller.com, info at packfiller.com. We're Facebook, we're Twitter, we're all that kind of shit. Or just go to the website, click on the links, buy yourself some noon, buy yourself some... Uh, what a man cans, buy yourself some uh, honey stinger, all those wonderful things. Get out there and ride. I'm going to do a big long ride today. I think I'm going on the dirt, dirt ride. Wife wants to ride with me. You guys who bought a mountain bike tandem, a mountain bike tandem. I know some of you are yelling at me right now. You what? You idiot. Those are worthless. Just get two bikes. My wife and I have been tandem riders for a long time. And uh, we've taken some time off. We had a road tandem, and we have a road tandem, and we spent a lot of time on it when we were younger. And uh, we've dreamt of getting back onto it. And with uh, the Leadville, yes, last year, uh, my Leadville effort last year, I've just really enjoyed riding off road. And the family all got together, and we got to ride a lot of miles off road. And um, there's a rule about tandems. They're marriage counselors. Um, you you ride together, you arrive together, and there's no waiting for anybody at the top of hills. There's no, it's it takes patience, it takes training, and it takes understanding. But once you get in sync with another person on a tandem, it's it's one of the greatest couple builders in the world. Um, and I will take some photos of it and and send them off to you. A, a non endorsement here, mtbtandems.com. Um, I think his name is Alex over there at mtbtandems.com has been just awesome. I spent about 30 minutes on the phone with him just piecing together 
uh, a really in my mind affordable bike and um, when we get it here we're waiting on cranks i guess because the crank manufacturers have switched out and uh, he believes in specific products and he won't send a bike out without those specific products on it and i'm looking forward to getting this thing and riding on it he's been a just a, a really professional guy and i've heard nothing but great things about him so if you're thinking about it mtbtandems.com go over and check him out that was a non-paid endorsement and uh yeah we'll see how the bike goes other than that we'll talk to you guys soon bye i said bye it's like a fucking phone call ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.